Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. And I think if our end goal is connection and intention and thinking through these things very mindfully, then do you really need video if you're being real? Three, two, one. My name is Esprit Devora, host of the Women in Tech show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create the Women in Tech show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. Hey, this is Adam Marks. I'm a tech founder, writer, and consultant, and I've been listening to the Women in Tech podcast for about three and a half years now. Esprit does a phenomenal job spotlighting female entrepreneurs from all over the world, and one thing I love about the show is listening to their stories and how they've built their companies and organizations. We should always be pushing for representation and equality every time we go into the boardroom, every time we look for co-founders, every time we look to hire employees for our companies. So support representation and equality, support the Women in Tech podcast, follow me at AdamMarks13 on Twitter and on LinkedIn, and remember to always look for the orange sunglasses. The best business resource I have is my mentor's private Facebook group. I've never found a community that cares more about one another's success. It inspired me to create the same thing for podcasters. If you're a tech company or startup looking to grow your podcast audience, I created GetPodcastListeners.com, a private group specifically to discover how other podcasters have grown their audiences so we could do the same. Check out GetPodcastListeners.com. That's GetPodcastListeners.com. Hi, I'm Esprit Deborah, host of the We Are LA Tech podcast, born and raised in LA. Together, we are unifying and celebrating the Los Angeles tech community. Join us. Half the people walked in and walked out. They didn't even want anything to do with me. There is literally nothing that's standing in the way except yourself. The partner came to us and said, hey, I'll give you a million bucks right now. This is where I've always wanted to be, Los Angeles. Subscribe to We Are LA Tech wherever you get your podcasts. Today's personal spot is about being an energized founder, leader, person, executive, and The way that I've been able to do that lately is actually from a new service that I randomly found on, I think it was on New Year's Eve or Christmas Eve. No, it must have been on Christmas Eve. I found this service called Shelpful. And it is essentially, I Googled accountability partner in Google. I was just like, I want 2022 to be awesome. So I Googled accountability partner. And I found in a Google ad, Shelpful, 
And it's this, and I found a few, and the only one that like looked legitimate is is Shelfful and didn't look like scammy and stuff, you know? And so I went over to Shelfful and it's essentially text message accountability, but you get a real person who is essentially like your mini project manager. So all day long, I have this awesome human named Marcy who is just messaging me back and forth. What's my plan for the day? What do I want to get done? keeping me on track, making me feel supported. Like it is insane. I thought about being held accountable through a friend because I use Kin Habit Tracker. And on Kin Habit Tracker, you can um, have a friend join you. But the thing is, that's like a lot to put on my friends, you know, like, and I wanted someone really proactive in my life, not just kind of like passing by or sometimes we don't get it done, sometimes we do. And I also didn't want the guilt to feel that I was like taking up space from a friend, like putting on too much on them in their lives. So I wanted a professional, but not someone I would who would just check in once a month or we had like a, a stand-up hours for five minutes in the morning or not there was one point that I used uh, another service called Coach Me and I had a wonderful coach who I really liked, but it wasn't like on demand, you know? And what I love about Sheltful is it's on demand. It feels like this person's my best friend. I don't even know them. Her name's Marcy. For all I know, it's a few different people um, acting as Marcy. I don't think so. It seems like it's only one person, but I don't even care. Like it's feels so genuine, so energizing, and I feel so supported. And it's exactly what I wanted so that I could be my best self. So I know this is like a weird personal spot because it almost sounds like an ad, but it's not an ad. It's just a genuine experience of something that I'm finding tremendously valuable in my life. So that's my little point for the day. And I hope you have a productive day wherever you are. And I'll see you in the next episode. Bye. the Women in Tech podcast, celebrating women in tech around the world. So excited for our next guest. She is a heart-driven community builder like I am. Her name is Erin from Brooklyn. Welcome to the show. Thanks, thanks, thanks. I'm so stoked and like really love what you've been building here and just like also just love your energy and passion in which you do everything. So always stoked to have more people doing cool things like this. Oh, thank you so much. And what we were talking about before we started recording, I think is something that could help everybody. But before we get into that, go ahead, share with everybody a little bit about who you are and what you do. Hi, folks. I'm Erin, and I currently am at Orbit. It's a kind of a community metrics company that really thinks about, it's like your home base or HQ for your community. So all those things that when you're building a community, you have in the back of your brain, uh, it's like that second brain of like, Anything from notes to participation to activities and behavior, it really serves as that sort of mission control for everything. Outside of Orbit, I have a couple of different shenanigans I'm usually up to, whether it's like publishing online. I publish words a lot on Rosie Sherry's uh, forum and blog. Um, I do some random stand-up comedy on the side as well as organize events for fun. And let's give so, a shout yeah. out to Rosie because she is she is just icon. She's amazing. Oh, for sure. I would not be here today without her. So fully blame her. Share a little bit about her background for everybody, because I know her, but I don't think a lot of people do. Yeah. So Rosie's kind of been a community builder for pretty much forever. And like, at least like when I knew her, she was at Indie Hackers. Previously before that, she founded Ministry of Testing and ran like a co-working space. 
Currently now she's at Orbit. She's the community lead there. And so I'm fortunate that I get to kind of be involved in her, the shenanigans that, and tag team with her every day. But she also runs Rosie Land, which is a community building forum and education resources on the side. And as well as like another, a bunch of random shenanigans. So currently we're doing 100 days of Twitter spaces together. Because not, what? Why That's not? Yeah. <laughs> Today's day five. So what? Yeah. I want to be in. How do I get in on your hundred days? Uh, tweet at us. Um, it, it can be about any topic, any reason. Like, okay. They don't all have to be community building related. We want to really explore and just like get in the habit of building things. Like I'm pretty sure after a hundred days, we're going to build a habit. And I already noticed like my habits changing for the better. So Wait, okay, before we dive into it, because so many people are interested in social audio, even though that's not the topic of today, just real, a quick snapshot of social audio. Why did you both decide to do this ongoing Twitter spaces? And what is the goal that you hope to get out of it? Because so many people are asking, like, should I invest my time this way? So what would you share with them? Yeah, I think the biggest thing about social audio and Twitter spaces in general is there's a lot of pros and cons. I think we saw an explosion of Clubhouse and like, the pandemic hit. I don't really think it's a for a platform that right now or like a mod, like a wave. It's go. It's not going anywhere. I think we've already seen it adopted. Discord was doing it before it was even a trend. But it's kind of like a thing. It's just a way of connecting with people in a new format live. I dig it because you don't have to have the audio. You don't have to have your video on, so you don't right. have to like. It's like a little more casual. Drop in, drop out. It does have some nuance behind it. I actually published with a couple other community builders about a year, two a year, year and a half ago now. Um, a guide to community moderation on social audio and just some things that we like hoped for in the future, because it's a, the tricky part is, is it is live. So you don't really have as much control or editing, or you don't know what could happen. So it's kind of a wild, wild west in terms of moderation and content in some ways. So pros and and cons. Do you both think that think slash even care about getting more followers from this? Or is it not about that? Like, why do this 100 days? Is it only to build a habit? Or do you have those things? Like, let's see how many followers we get. Let's see what kind of opportunities this attracts. Yeah, I think it was a couple of things. So we originally started, um, and Rosie and I, we've started a meme account. This way is kind of a bet of like, LOL, 100 days of community. Guess what we can do next? 100 days of audio, like Twitter spaces, like So it started totally as a joke and kind of like, you know, bet and see what happens. Then I think what happened next is like, how do you like lead into those ideas? We did notice that both of us got kind of significant followers from each of these Twitter spaces, which I want to reiterate that was not the intention, you know, starting it was kind of more of an intention of just like exploring ideas with nuance, exploring new topics, sharing, trying to meet new people, trying to just see what's out there and also building the habit. But I think a curiosity got the cat and both of us like good shenanigans was kind of the original, original intention of it all. So yeah, it's been a kind of fun shenanigan to get into. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. I can't wait to see what that turns into. And I'll definitely be tweeting. Speaking of the pressure of having no video, we were talking about this before we started recording, is that you are my first guest in a long, long time. I've been podcasting for like, I think eight years now, if not more, that I have decided to stop doing video. Uh, When I first started podcasting, it was 
I mean, it's always been an audio only podcast, but when I first started podcasting, there was no video technology. So I'd have to have cameras set up and, and sometimes I did something, sometimes I didn't, but it wasn't a thing. And then with the pandemic and all my podcasts were in person. So I wasn't really thinking about it. And, you know, I was traveling around the world interviewing women in tech and I didn't have a camera set up for, I'd probably say 99% of the interviews. I didn't even think about it. I mean, I may have had a video camera on me, but it just, it wasn't wasn't a big deal. And then with the pandemic, it seems like we've all religiously subscribed to like Zoom video. And Mm -hmm. I've been finding that I've been really just worn out all the time, like energetically drained to the max to the point I'm just going to be super real, Aaron, where I'm like, do I want to quit? Like I'm like tapped out. And I started reflecting. I'm like, is it podcasting that I'm tapped out on or is it just how I'm podcasting? And I'm like, I think it's the video. And so I'm like, you know what? I had a a conversation with my team. I was extremely scared, like telling my team, I was like, I don't think I can just not record video. And they're like, why not? And they were challenging me on it and stuff. And so you're the first one where I'm not recording video. I'm nervous. But we were talking, you and I were talking about before we started recording about feeling this need to like do things perfectly. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it's like every time there's always like, I always think about it. There's these like, this is your top 10 best practices. Or you see the YouTube videos, like this is how you, I've been debating, like getting a Twitch stream going. Right. And so like, I've been trying yeah. to figure out and it's like, here's the process to have like your best. And I'm like, oh my God, this is overwhelming because if I don't follow the steps exactly to a T I know myself, like I will make a plan and then I will overthink and I will overthink and I will overthink. And then I won't actually do anything because I'm stuck in this phase of like, it's not good enough or it's not perfect enough. And it's interesting because I think one, that's like why I'm kind of stoked for some of these like live audio opportunities is because, and like, I personally like it because it offers opportunities like to do things a little differently. I'm scared as heck to like ever edit a podcast in my life. Mm. I find it, I have done it. It's overwhelming. I can't, there's no joy in that. And I think if our end goal is connection and intention and thinking through these things very mindfully, then do you really need video if you're being real? Yeah. And I shared with you and I'll share with everyone listening, like my, my editor, Adam was like, why don't you just do, these are my words, not his, but kind of his words. Why don't you just do a Polaroid moment? And I was, I think he probably said a photo moment, but in my creative head, I'm like, oh, a Polaroid moment. <laughs> um, and I'm like, that's such a great idea because I'm capturing the moment, but I, so I don't feel like I'm losing something, you know, but I was afraid of losing. I was afraid if I don't do video, even though I don't use the video, I'm afraid of losing it. I was just like, like 20 years from now, will I be sad? I don't have the memory. Legit, Aaron. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. It's kind of a scary world to think about. And I think even I was on Twitter today replying to something about, I saw a tweet, I came blanking on who it was from, but he was like, I realize like now that I'm using Twitter more, I actually really like Twitter because it's conversation and Instagram's more, you know, it can be very visual competitiveness. And I think that's the same frustration that I've felt with certain visual mediums is I feel like the influencer, you're gaming an algorithm, you're not gaming connection. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. "Ah." and it's not fun. It's just not, I don't like, like we've all heard the hacks, but how many hashtags do you put in your post? And like, you know, we've all, these are the, we've all probably taken a picture of our damn food or our coffee or our lattes or whatever. But like, 
what does that actually mean towards connection? And I know we're all probably guilty of it. I know I am. And it's, it's not to shame anybody, but I think we've moved beyond that. And how do we actually start to use platforms for intentional connection and building relationships? And sometimes when you're building real connections, that means you need to be real on these platforms, which less, this is how you do it. X, Y, Z more just do it because this is how I do it. You could do it something differently and that makes it, it doesn't make it good or bad. It just makes it different. Totally. Totally. I think even Billie Eilish was talking about that on her, um, I think it's her Vanity Fair, like year in review. I think it's Vanity Fair. And I think she was even talking about that. Like you could be the first that does it in that way. I think it was her. If not, I'm giving Billie Eilish yeah. credit for something. The other thing, since since we're on the topic of like random things, then I want to get into your tech background yeah. and everything. <laughs> but one thing I started doing this week, speaking of just kind of like burnout and like reflecting on how to like, how to make my life my own when I feel like we're so controlled by technology. I'm like, how do I take ownership back of my brain? I mm-hmm. took all social apps off my phone and I put them on a on a secondary device that's powered off so that when I want to use social, I have to turn on the device and access it from there and it's just in my house rather than just having it for any moment that I have free to like, let me just go back on Twitter and Instagram or Facebook or blah, blah, blah. And so I've been noticing... One, I have phantom things where on my main phone, I'll swipe down and start typing Instagram in the search and then nothing will come up. I'm like, oh, it's because I took it off, you know? (laughs) And I'm like, that's crazy that my brain just like goes there like when I have a moment. And so I'm so relieved that I'm not using my time and, and I'm using social as much as I want to, but I'm using it on this other device. So I could feel when I'm starting to get tired, I'm like, and now it's time to turn this off and power it off again. It's really interesting. Yeah. I definitely do that. Uh, like the notification turn off where it's like, I just don't, I'm like, so I, a lot of my social apps, I actually turn off notifications for, because I'm like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't like my life yeah. is not drastically improved if I got a like on my stupid TikTok video. Like, right. That does like that does not change anything. If anything, it's probably like one of my friends being like, cheesy dork, like <laughs> you're a giant goober here. But totally. I think like just ter- like those small interactions of like just breaking the habit cycle or making it, you know, yeah, at least a little can go a long way. Totally. I think it's important that we own our own lives. That, that we're yes. making the decisions that we want to make. And that's something like I love that you and I share that in, in common a lot. Like we're both these incredibly passionate community leaders. And then we create these worlds around us and these, I, I mean, talk a little bit about your work in community and your work with the company you work for now and like how you vision community and, and, and your relationship with community. This is totally an industry. If you were like five years ago, this is where you were going to be. I would have laughed at you and been like, okay, like whatever. I have no idea. Like five years ago, I distinctly, five years ago, I had absolutely no idea what I wanted to be when I grew up. So, and was very much like in a, I'm lost. I'm stuck. I have no idea what I'm doing stage five years ago. So I think even just like, wow, reflecting on that a second, I'm kind of like, holy crap. Didn't even live in New York. It's very different from where I was at now. So now I'm at Orbit. I'm doing, I'm their community advocate there. 
So I get to do some really fun stuff. A lot of my time is spent working with both users of the product, um, helping onboard troubleshoot, helping them figure out their use cases and how they can find ways to shine as their own community builders, which I love a lot. And then also doing fun, like community education events and content and the other kind of side of things. So teaching the theory of community building as well in a very like holistic fun. I think it's fun manner. Um, so I, I like to think that we go against the grain a little bit and teach a, make it a more interactive, engaging experience. Cause I think there's just so much stuff on the internet these days. So how can you really stand out? Um, but yeah, totally fell into it. Um, I actually studied journalism in both grad school and undergrad. Like my first stab at college, I actually wanted to be a politician, which is like wow. <laughs> very different. Um, my first, yeah, I went to school, thought I wanted to be a politician. Um, clearly that didn't work out. Moved into journalism because at the time, like I was like, okay, I'm going to be a political reporter. And then that was like, Ooh, just kidding. That's, that's <laughs> not it either. <laughs> Whoops. Um, and so actually studied journalism and ended up in like the strategic communications or more like advertising PR comms track did that. My first job out of college was actually as a graphic designer for a very, very traditional agency. I made one summer, I made like 72 banner ads a week. It was <laughs> a week, dude. Yeah. It was like something like say in total. That's crazy. Yeah. It was just like a lot of my job. I mean, it was like, it probably felt like it was like all what, and most of it was just like production art, like styling, like follow the template, do the yeah. thing. Like it wasn't anything overly super exciting. It was just kind of doing, doing kind of things. And I was like, I don't like this. Like, I'm not happy here. This isn't what I want to be doing. I don't like design is cool. It's not really sticking with me. Um, it's not my jam. That's, that's okay. Um, so yeah, I ended up leaving that kind of dabbled, worked in nonprofit, ended up at a, like a web design, like a creative studio for two, three years. I think I was there kind of got to do anything. I like the title I was there was kind of like project manager, director of everything sort of title. So the job was like very small studio agency. This is in Reno, Nevada. I was there for a while, did pretty much anything I could get my hands on from project management to some product thinking, minor production work, file printing, client management, you know, kind of whatever you can get your hands on. That didn't quite work out. Again, still wasn't really happy. Went back to teaching. I taught at the University of Nevada, just like entry journalism, digital communications, like how to be a human on the internet. Freelanced all over the place. Yeah. So any like did some work actually like, you know, worked for like a more progressive lobbying firm um, on doing communications for them. Worked in education technology, worked with like, you know, nonprofits, pretty much any, I was a swim coach. Wow. Stint in like weekend bartending to pay bills, like anything to get my hands dirty. And I didn't really like know what I wanted to do. At the time I was an adjunct professor at the University of Nevada and had a really great support system there. And one person had really pulled me aside and was like, Hey, like, have you ever thought about grad school? And I was like, no, like I can't do that. Applied for grad school kind of on a whim, had some really great mentors take me under their wing and like review my application. I got a scholarship to go to school. So went to NYU. That's what brought me from Reno to New York. Did that. Uh, like at the time I was in New York, I knew I was like, I really like media products. I researched um, and kind of did my graduate school research and project on the viability of the creator economy for news. So this was, I started the year before the pandemic hit. And then I, my last year I did, you know, in the, in pandemic, it was Zoom school. Right. It was not the greatest. Uh -huh. Oh, it was 
I mean, we talk about Zoom burnout now. Um, I was working a day job on Zoom and then would go to class at night on Zoom. It was like, <sighs> wait, and, and academia, I kind of love it, but I also kind of hate it because they're like very like school, like very like what you would expect some like, I don't want to be like boomer person who like doesn't know technology to like yeah to do, but that's kind of in some ways what they did is it was stare at my screen. I actually had one class that still like haunts me to this day of how bad it was. It was a very class I was super interested in. Um, it was one of my electives. I was taking it on, it was like communications of like, how do you, it was a therapy and social work class. I just took right. it as a random elective and it was super interesting. It was basically, how do you talk to someone that's dying? And like, how do you have those really tough conversations wow. with someone? And then the class, you weren't allowed to use the chat and you had to have your camera on the entire time for a four hour lecture. What? And I'm like, not only are we talking about like literally people dying, during a pandemic in our like tiny houses in New York, but I can't like even like break some semblance, like, and go to the, like, what? It's crazy. This is levels of problems here. Yeah. I know if I had to choose whether to invest, if I could go back in time, if I had to choose whether to invest in crypto or zoom. I would have right, right. Zoom, like how the whole world adopted Zoom is just beyond. It's bonkers. It's bonkers. Like my dad uses Zoom. My dad doesn't understand what crypto is. <laughs> so, but you need this to say, like, contracted with companies all through grad school. Was actually not hired at Orbit right out of grad school. Worked at another company, but it just like wasn't a good fit, and was kind of like actually venting to Rosie about this. And I was like, yeah, like, I don't really know what I want to do with my life. This isn't a fit. I'm not happy here, but I don't know what's next. And she's like, well, I just got hired at this company orbit. And I'm like, cool. Good for you. Like, and like, but she's like, well, let me nudge and see if they're hiring and, you know, send your information in. And yeah. So the story goes three weeks later, they were like, do you want a job here? So now I'm here. When did you first become interested in technology? Because you were interested in journalism and politics. Were you interested in tech at that time? And, and you started with graphic yeah. design, which is tech. Yeah, I think um, yeah. probably like that first agency or the, the creative studio, because like we did have like some tech clients. So it was really fun because I got to have like my hands dirty with some of it and like see it. But you were in the agency perspective and like very much a creative studio. And so I really liked that. And then I actually loved it again in grad schools, like a couple of the companies I, you know, worked at an e-commerce startup during grad school. I did a lot of like e-commerce, like agency contracting in grad school, but it was a lot of them. Like I, like many times I was working with a tech company through these agencies. Yeah. And it was always like this, like very like dreamy, like in cue dream sequence of like, what would it be like if I was over there and not on the agency side? And what does your day-to-day look like now? It depends on the day. (laughs) So I think that's a one of the things I love most is I get to be, Orbit is pretty asynchronous remote. So we don't have like a work nine to five, like work. And was it always remote even before the pandemic? Yeah, they've always been a pretty remote, pretty asynchronous culture. Um, so one founder is in San Francisco and the other founder is in Paris. Oh, wow. So uh, yeah, like I work with Rosie, who's in Brighton, United Kingdom a lot. Um, and everybody's kind of like, around the globe. So like we have one other person in New York right now and we don't meet up and work together. And it's not because we don't like each other. It's just because we're at our house and that's cool. And like, (laughs) but it is like an option. Like if you do want to like go to, 
I know like the San Francisco team, they have like a WeWork that they go to every so often, but I don't think everybody goes every day. And like, it's definitely an option. Like if you want it, you can create that and have that. But I think a lot of people really like that we have that remote lifestyle going for us. How do you maintain, I hear this a lot in like in the whole debate of remote versus in person. How do you maintain a really great work culture when being remote? And how do you mitigate miscommunications and uh, foster more uh, collaborative creativity? Yeah, I think it's a great, um, I think it first comes down to trust. Like you have to be in a place that you're trusted fully. And like, you have to have trust in your teammates. You have to have trust in yourself, trust in your leadership team that they're being transparent. I think out of everywhere that I've worked or even contracted with, this is like the best place I've ever worked. And I don't just say that, like I've worked at places that I'm like, Ooh, yeah, no, don't ever talk to me after hours. And it's, there is a lot of trust. And I think that's a big thing. Um, I think the other thing is you have to be very intentional and explicit on what you want. Like there's a blog post, like we reference a lot and it's like, it's, I'm blanking on the person who wrote it off the Cinity's links after, but it's like, we just don't allow that here. So you know, being very intentional, like this is the way that we act. This is how we carry ourselves out. If, and that's okay. If it's not for you, that's fine. But this is how we're going to kind of be very intentional with our culture. I think the other thing is like, we, again, it's like trust it's culture. We do have like, you know, we use internal team meetings or like, well, we do have like a once weekly all hands where we get together and like meet as a team. And many times you see people like log in early for that. Um, and like, we care about people as people. And I think that's a very big one, like in celebrate, like a lot of people have blogs or things they do outside of work and we celebrate those. I think at some companies, especially when you're remote, they're like shying away from it where they're like, don't ever do something outside. Like it's true. It's like, and it's like, no, it's like, we celebrate it. We're like, you hit this like huge win, even if it's not like, I remember even one time they were like, what did you do this week? And I'm like, oh, I ran a 10 K and like, didn't really think much of it. Like, and they're like, that's cool. Like go Aaron, like you ran a 10 K like. (laughs) <laughs> and like, everybody's telling me like running stories. And I'm like, oh my God, like, this is like, has never been a deal anywhere. Like, you know, or even just, I joke, I, I am on a competitive trivia league team and it's like the running joke of like, what place did your trivia team come in this week? Like, that's awesome. And I think it's just, again, respecting people for people that trust, but it also comes with a trust of like, Aaron, if you were talking about your 10 Ks and your trivia league and you're not getting things done, then we have a problem here. Right, right, like, right, right. It's a, do what you say you're going to do, be honest, be transparent. There's a difference between nice and kind is another thing we talk about a lot. Um, and I remember that from when we were onboarding Amen. and it's like, yeah, don't be like, it's don't be like, oh, that looks so cute. Oh my goodness. You know, ugh, yikes. Um, it's, you know, kind is sometimes calling it out and being like, Hey, I noticed this, this isn't really in line. Here's how, you know, is it, are you okay? Is something going on? Is right are you safe? Are you happy? Are you, you know, is something else going like getting to the actual like root cause of it versus like just shirking away and being like, Ooh, let's just not talk about it. Like look, so-and-so is having a bad day. Totally. Totally. And, um, in your journey, what's been one of the biggest obstacles that you've successfully overcome? I think like a, like just coming from a very different background. Um, so I think like I, my, I grew up in Idaho, <laughs> like my parents have no idea what I do for like, they kind of, they're getting it kind of maybe, um, I, I barely know what I do. I, yeah. So my mom was like, do you just sit on Twitter all day? And I'm like, uh, 
I mean, you're like, sort of. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, well, you're not technically wrong. Um, my mom's like, like, hi, mom, you'll probably listen to this. And like, hi, mom, you are on my Twitter and like my tweets, but like you're an egg account. Um, so, but like, it's just like, I didn't even know this was possible. Like I grew up in Idaho and you could been like, oh, you're going to have a master's degree and live in New York and work in tech. I'd be like, okay. Um, and so that's been a one, I think like, I'm almost that like imposter syndrome and I've been working even now getting through it weirdly enough like I started stand-up as a hobby this summer just like nice do it and I did second city it's so good I it's so good I went through the pit and like I just like was so it's such like good like you okay I'm sorry if you have to try and make people be funny in person yeah that's like 50 times harder than like writing a resume or like doing some of your crap and like because you're like wow these people might not laugh and they might think I'm terrible and like my only one job is to be funny. And that is such an object, like a subjective art form. And now I'm like, I'm going to tweet this thing. It might like some person on the internet might think I'm wrong, but like big deal. They're not going to say that to my face and comedy. They might say that they like, legit might say that to your face. Totally. And that's I way think, worse. I think improv is a secret potion to improve in so many ways. I think when people think about improv, they think, oh, you know, it's for comedians. I went through improv to become a better speaker. I mean, there is, improv is great for life skills, period. Yes. I'm only like doing the stand-up side of it. So I haven't even like really gotten into the improv side of it. And it's just been like equally like so fascinating, like those skills. So I think that's been one thing. And that's been like in the last six months, but like, I have found myself like just sitting on ideas or projects and I just like, don't publish them because I'm like, Oh my goodness. What if something, what if, and like, what if something thinks I'm wrong or, right? you know, technically I've only like, this is second, technically only my second official community title ever. And then like, I'm sitting in rooms and people are like, Oh, I have 10 years of community experience. And I'm like, well, I did. I organized meetups. I, you know, it was really active yeah. on Reddit. I did groups and that's community stuff. But like, because I didn't have the title, I would, I would almost like see myself out of the room before I was even there. Yeah. yeah I think you and I were talking about this related to being working in community, um, like with the official community title, a mm-hmm. lot of the, how to do social media, how to do community training. Isn't it's very not. good. <laughs> well, and it's just like, it's really insincere. It's like, here's how you repurpose the same text on, you know, social media schedule or brand X multiple times. Like, it's like, that's not building community. Yeah, It's not like scheduling 50 posts, right? Like, and I think it's, it's just like, oh, you have, oh, it's like, oh, how do you grow? Oh, be real and have real relationships. And maybe like, it's not growth in numbers. Maybe it's growth in depth of relationship. Like Mm -hmm. maybe it's, growth and skills. Like maybe you're in a learning community and everybody, like, I think of like my time in grad school, like I had a very good experience in grad school, you know, it had its cons. They, everything has a pro and a con, but it's like, I had a very good group of people and belonging and I felt heard and supportive. But part of that is because I, I did the work. I connected with my classmates. I talked to my professors. I made friends. I, yeah 
And it's like, I'm sorry, like, I don't care what industry you're in. If you're not going to put the work in, you're not going to get anything out of it. Totally. Do like uh, big deal. I was listening to this YouTuber. Uh, he used the term, his name's, uh, I think it, he goes by Ben X. Uh, I can't mm-hmm. remember exactly, but um, he used the term um, passive impact. And I thought that was the coolest term. He's like, everybody's so caught up in trying to create passive income. How about trying to create passive impact? Oh, I love this. Isn't that cool? I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, that's so cool. Like, yeah, it's just, uh. Yes. It's like, how do, how do you, how do you show up wholly and authentically both for yourself and for others in tandem? Like when you're posting, are you posting for you? Or are you truly posting to lift people up and elevate people? And are you doing it in a way that's sincere to you? Or are you just trying to be something you're not to appear as a certain way? It's just there's so much that goes into it, which is not just, you know, finding out when the holiday calendar is and posting something on those dates and then recycling it like for 12 years out. You know? Yeah. It's like, yeah. just be yourself and like, be honest and be, you know, weird. I tweeted yesterday about like, I was joking with my husband about like, oh, what is like your, the weird things that you don't like realize or like, how to like, you know, those accounts that you tweet and you're like, you are all business. Like, I want to know what you do outside of the work hours. Like, yeah. What are even like when my Calendly is set up, like I have a Calendly and it has like, tell me something you're interested in. That's not related to your day job. Like, I want to know like what you made for lunch. Like what cool, weird thing are you into? What books do you read? What is your guilty pleasure? Like TV thing? Like what songs would I find on your workout playlist? Totally. No, 100%. Where we are in our digital lives today is so caught up in followers. One thing I, I make sure to do, uh, again, recently, because, you know, really being attentive to how social media negatively affects me is as soon as I'll post something on Instagram that I genuinely want to post, I'll turn off the likes. Because, like, oh. because what. Am I posting because I it's a form of creative expression or am I posting for algorithmic dopamine rushes? Right. Yeah. And it's like or just like obsessing over it. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's so unhealthy. It's unhealthy to our worth, our like self-worth or value. Like it's really just not real. It's unhealthy. (laughs) But it's like I used to do that, like going, you know, back to the imposter syndromes. I used to play the comparison game like I mean, I had probably like two years ago, I probably had 200 followers on Twitter, if that. Yeah. And I remember I had a spreadsheet and I had to do an internship in college and I had a spreadsheet and I was like, I need someone to be interested enough in my graduate research that they do it. And I was like, I am not taking a free internship. That was my other requirement. It's like, I need some company to be interested with me Yeah. because I didn't have, because tech doesn't really necessarily, we've heard it before. Sometimes tech and academics, they like fight with each other and you're like, yeah, all right, both of y'all sit down a little bit, chill out if we work nicely together, but it requires nuance and understanding of both worlds. And I think that's an okay, that's an okay thing to say. And I had a spreadsheet and I legit think I sent like a hundred cold emails, but because I had like 200 Twitter followers and didn't have the quote unquote formal experience. And it was through hodgepodge together, random contracts and freelance work and agency it was harder for, and I didn't come from a big city or from a family with connections. Like my parents have, again, my parents are very offline. My yeah. dad might have a LinkedIn. I don't think he has logged into it. <laughs> my my mom's That's dog awesome. has an Instagram account. Like, 
Okay, a couple last questions before we start to, to wrap up, but I just, I think you're so great. First of all, where can people connect with you? I am probably most likely on Twitter. So it's twitter.com slash Erin McHale is my handle. So E-R-I-N-M-I-K-A-I-L. I try to post whatever random events and shenanigans, both that I'm doing at my day job and in my side projects and my now comedy adventures um, on Luma. So it's lu.ma slash Erin McHale or on my website at erinmchalestaples.com. Awesome. So a couple last questions. One, what would you say is the best piece of advice you've gotten for business mm-hmm. generally? Because the second one I'm more excited about, best piece of advice okay. your mom has given you. Okay. So first off, I think the best in business advice, actually, like I've told this anecdote a couple of times in the community building world. And I had a boss like very early on when I was working at a nonprofit and she wouldn't let me say like, you'd come in the door and she'd be like, are you having a good day? And she, and you know, that thing where you're like, how are you doing? And you just like default say good. She wouldn't let me get away with that. And she didn't let anybody get away with that. She was like, no, tell me more. Like, are you good because of X or like, why are you not good? Like, tell me why you're sad and you're mad. And she made you push past that. And like, she would do it. And it's not like it was one way. Like she would do it too. She'd be like, oh, I slept horribly. Like my day was crap, like blah, blah, blah. Or, Hey, this happened. I'm having a great day. And I think the best advice is like, how do you channel that in your own relationships? Mm. And like that can set the tone for like much deeper relationships in business and friendships and life. And I think out of all the business advice, like that's really stuck with me. So be real and be better than saying good. So yeah. And your mom, your mom's advice. My mom's kind of a spitfire. So my mom is a better, my mom was like a two sport D1 athlete. Like she's very intense. I get my best and my worst traits from her. Love you, mom. (laughs) I would probably say she was very much like, are you going to spend your time complaining about it? Or are you going to do something about it? Because Mm. if you're here to complain, I don't really want to hear it. And that was like, she was very much like, you can have your 10 minutes event. And like, I will give you that, but you get 10 minutes and then you're done. Like you got to move on. I think it's important because I think we hold on to things too much. And then we allow those things to define us or we blame those things instead of just creating the life that we want and the thoughts that we want and the future that we want. So I I think that that's spot on. Ready for the last, the last like quick fire, your favorite book. Oh, um, favorite book, Tiny Beautiful Things by Cheryl Strayed. Tell us what, what it's about. It's like the, it's like the dear sugar letters. And this is kind of sappy. Wow. I said that. And then I'm like, wow, really sappy, Erin. Um, <laughs> it's like, the, it's the book of like when people would write in and they'd be like, dear sugar, I don't really know what this means. Blah, blah, blah. Like I'm stuck in life. I feel alone. I feel, I, I just had this traumatic thing happen to me. And she just answers very candidly and raw. And it's a good, like, I'm going to cry slash give you a hug slash make you feel motivated. It's very just like, it's like, you know, help letters in a freaking book because that's what it was. It was just a published column that she published into a book, which is great. With everybody listening, there's so many people around the world listening. If there was one thing that we could do to support and accelerate your success, what would that one ask be? And it can't be save the world. It has to be something selfishly Ooh. for you. Selfishly for me. Oh, that's a hard one. Ah! I think it's just like, I would actually probably put be reach out. Like I love meeting new people. I love meeting people on different parts of their journey. And I get very inspired and motivated and energized by people who are just passionate. I don't, it doesn't need to be about anything that I'm working on or doing, but like reach out, 
share with me what you're interested in, share with me what you're working on, share with me what you're excited about. And like, if there's any way that I can help, I want to know, but also just like, let's just come together and have some fun. And if you're, I guess, if you're interested in doing a hundred days of Twitter space, come cheer us on for that, because I will need help on like keeping that going and keeping that going. So come have conversations with us on Twitter spaces. And remind people where to find you on Twitter. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Erin McHale. So uh, E-R-I-N McHale, M-I-K-A-I-L. And if you could pick a software or a mobile app that is your go-to, what is your fave? Ooh, so I think A, like my most used one, I actually use the Forest app on my phone a lot. Nice. And it's the time that like, yeah, to stay focused. Yeah. And it's just like stupid little trees. And that sounds like so dumb and like not <laughs> like helpful at all. Like it's, but for me, I do have ADHD. It's helped tons. The one thing of like not killing a stupid baby tree on my phone has actually kept me out of my phone a lot better than I would like to admit. Wait, for real? Wait, does, does forest app lock you out of your phone? Well, it doesn't lock you out. It just goes, keep going. And you can either set it to be a stopwatch so you can see how far you can go without touching yeah. your phone. Or you can set it to be like a Pomodoro timer. And then it like grows, the tree grows as the time goes on. And you can like earn new trees by the amount of times you stay focused. And it's like just super cute. And it'll like, as you touch your phone, it'll be like, don't kill the tree. I'm like, and it shows like little dead trees on the app. And I'm like, well, I can't kill this like stupid, like dead tree. I guess I'm not touching my phone again. Um, I gamification does me in. So that's a great one. I've been using in the past couple of weeks, I've been using Aura, not the ring, A-U-R-A. And oh, okay. I've been using it for nature sounds. And then my mentor uses brain.fm. And so I was like, all right, so I got the Black Friday deal, you know? Okay. Yeah. And I've been using brain. And I have to say, like, that's been really great as well. Especially I've been using brain sometimes when I'm driving, I'll use their deep breathing. And so for whatever Ooh. reason, their sound just puts me in a state. And then I just make sure that I'm doing my deep breathing. I probably have ADHD. I don't know. I've never been diagnosed. I have anxiety. I have a lot of stuff that makes me like a, <laughs> a nut job. So like- We need this those is, moments. Yeah. The more calm and energized and like self-love that I feel, the more I'm able to be the best professional I could be and to serve others to the level that I'd like to serve others as a community builder having the right app to do the deep breathing or whatever, it ends up just making my life better. Oh, fully. Yeah. We all need that. And I don't think we give that like our mental health, especially when you're, I think about this a lot, like who takes care of the people who care for others? Mm. Like if that's a caretaker, a nurse, a teacher, a community worker, like who takes care of them? Cause like they're very much like usually the person who gets the default emotional labor. Yep. And it's like, we have to like, almost pump the brakes and be like, who's checking in on them? Who's like, how do we take care of that? And just making sure yourself, like, I'm kind of a grump. If I don't get a workout in, I go to therapy, I dump things on a therapist. It's like a third party that, you know, I'm like, I just need to, and sometimes I just go and it's like, I get it off my chest. I have a friend group that I'm like, we we're not talking about work right now. I, I work out. I do like endurance sports for that reason. There's something very therapeutic for me in endurance sports that I'm in my own head. 
And before you and I started recording, we had this funny thing in common. We have so many things in common, but we had this really funny thing in common that I, I was sharing with you that I've lately been journaling via text to my girlfriend, and I feel like it's my soul giving me pep talks, and then I'm just sending them to her. For some reason, like it doesn't feel the same if I just put a note, my notepad, somehow channeling it to her is making me like channel this whole energy thing. And it's really like this morning I was able to work out because of it. It was like, and so like at the end of my little pep talk, I'm like, okay, bye. And you're like, oh, you've been doing the same thing with one of your friends. I have this, I have the same thing. I have a good friend I've known, you know, we met in college and I'm just like, yep here's like my mind paragraph. And then you, it's like, but it's funny because you go through the text and it's like, here's my emotional word dump or here's my voice note, or I just like left a voicemail and like, we do it back and forth to each other. And then it's simultaneously like three texts later, like, uh, wish you were here currently drinking an IPA. We should go hiking soon. Like let's plan a trip. It's like, (laughs) all right, cool. It's like this whole long, like emo journal post. And then it's like, so anyway, (laughs) so anyway, let's get a beer later. Um, yeah, no, totally relate. Cause that's, uh, very much like I've got one of those text threads as well. But I think we we need to be like we need those spaces. Like we need places we can fall down as much as like we can be celebrated. 100%. Erin, thank you so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast to connect and collaborate with more amazing women in tech around the world. Remember, go to the Women in Tech community at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. Say hello on social at Women in Tech Show on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will see you guys, talk to you guys, hear you guys in the next episode. And yes, this audio only, I do feel more energized right now. I have to say... I don't feel that video drain. I support (laughs) it. I'm here for it. Thank you so much for having me and just being you. So thanks for just being you and awesome. All that good stuff. So you're the best. Bye. Later. Hi, this is Aaron Staples and I am a community advocate at Orbit. Orbit is kind of like mission control for your community. So it's a good place for you to see the activities, the habits, all of that thing, that second brain for community builders to actually take actionable insights on things. I'm based in Brooklyn, New York, and you are listening to Women in Tech. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. 